It is Texans Top 100 Moments Tuesday. Welcome into the show, a Tuesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. And our week of themes continues, and today's is, as I said, Texans Top 100 Moments. And what I mean by that, well, it's the NFL's 100th season, 100th anniversary, and obviously the Texans were not a part and have not been a part of the league for 100 years. Even the city of Houston has not been involved, and that goes for a lot of cities, but Green Bay, Chicago, a lot of the originals, the Giants, the Redskins, a lot of the originals obviously have a history that covers those 100 years. We have a history that covers back to 2002, but we decided, you know what, let's get in on the fun anyways. These are kind of fun to do, and so as a group, we decided here are the top 100 moments, and not not the best not the most significant, just the top the top moments. And I like alliteration, so top Tuesday, top 100. I figured, how do I do that? Oh, yeah, that's right. Drew Doherty and I have been doing bonus in the labs for significant moments that have happened in this organization's history. And for each moment, we have a various media attached to it. We've got one coming up that I just did on – one of the greatest third and 15 conversions ever. I did a Telestrator for moment number 63, TJ Yates, 2011 scramble against the Cincinnati Bengals in a game that clinched the division. So they got that. Sometimes we write articles. Sometimes we have slideshows. We do a lot of different things. And so we've kind of spread the wealth a little bit. We could probably do a bonus in the lab for all of these, but we have spread the wealth, if you will. And we've come up with a few. And Drew and I have done four of them to, to date. So I figured, why not take a look at those on a week that, well, it's theme week. And so I thought this would be a pretty good theme, if I'm being honest, to kind of go back and recap. If you haven't had a chance to check out our In the Labs. And we're going to start with the one we just did. Number 73. In 2012, it was the second year of J.J. Watt's career. And the last time that he had faced the Indianapolis Colts, he'd gotten two bogus 15-yard penalties up in Indy. Well, in 2012, the Texans, kind of like with Indianapolis this year, or with uh, Tennessee this year, they didn't play Indianapolis until December. And then they played them twice, I think, in two or three weeks. Not two weeks, like three or, three or four weeks, I mean. But it was in that 2012 game when J.J. was at the height of his powers, if you will, and he was... Just incredible that entire year. At moment number 73, our bonus in the lab is J.J. Watt wrecking the Colts in 2012. Coming at you with a capital B bonus in the lab. Drew Doherty with my good pal John Harris. Johnny, how you doing, buddy? I'm well, man. How you doing, Drew? I'm really well, and this is going to be a fun one. On this top 100 list, the top 100 countdown, one of the, some of the best moments in Texans history, today focuses on a game that's really been forgotten and not talked about much, but it was an important game. In 2012, at home in December, the Texans beat the Colts. It was their 12th win of the season, and it clinched a division title, a second straight AFC South title. And in that game, John, J.J. Watt went off, 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 John. But let me set the stage. The Texans at this point were 11-2. and two. They were coming off a Monday night nightmare oh, in man. New England. 
one of many nightmares in New England over the last seven, eight, nine years. Ew, but that was at the top of the nightmare list. I mean, you go into New England and you're eleven and one, you are rolling, and then you just get smoked up there. Yep. Very, very shaky look. So Texans gotta write the ship. You go into New England thinking, hey, you've got a bye, you've got home field advantage locked up throughout the playoffs if you get just keep doing what you're doing. Yep. That kind of put that in doubt a little bit, but you got to keep winning because it's all still in front of you. That stuff is still there for you. So you've got the Colts coming to town the next week, and the Colts were rolling, man. Yeah. Andrew Luck, as a rookie that year, was doing some really great things. They were nipping at your heels and right behind you. You needed a big, big game from J.J. Watt. You jump out to a 10 nothing lead in the first quarter. Colts get a little closer, and you go into the half with a 20-10 to lead. They keep getting closer and closer, but J.J. Watt really wrecks things that day. Let's look at the stat line, John. I'm just going to let you hear what, what he did. Ten combined tackles, mm-hmm. three sacks for 22 yards, six tackles for loss, four quarterback hits, and a forced fumble. That's a vintage J.J. Watt day, just littering the stat sheet, hitting all the numbers almost, and he was big, Johnny. And this is a game that most fans forget about. and Because when you talk about 2012 season, if they live on the positive side of life, they think of the Bears game that year. They think of the Broncos game. We've talked about both of those games in our top 100 moments. And I think they, they forget about this game, even though it was the first time the Texans had clinched the division at home. Mm-hmm. And that was a pretty cool day. But I think because that Patriots game, it left such a – there was such a residue left over after that Patriots game that it was it was unfortunate because they had played so well that year and they just they got caught. You know, everyone gets got, and mm-hmm. that was the night the Texans got got up in New England, and it was hard to come back from that one, but they did. And keep in mind, the last time that J.J. Watt had played against the Colts, he had gotten flagged for two 15-yard penalties, which were absolute jokes. Felt like 14 yeah. times he was flagged. Up in Indianapolis in a game in 2011 that if you win that, who knows how that changes things. I mean, we said that a lot of times, just one game can change things in the NFL, but they don't get that game in 2011 because Dan Orlovsky somehow pulls one out for the Colts, and the curse of the visits to Indy continued for a few more years. But that was the first time late in December because the Texans, kind of like the Texans in 2019, will play the Titans in December twice. They were playing Indianapolis in December twice. When you said that about Andrew Luck, the first thing I thought about was what the Colts had done in 2018. The Colts start slow in 2018 and then picked yeah. it up and were a really good team. Surprisingly not in this game, T.Y. Hilton does make a big play for the Colts. But when you go back and, and watch this game as I did, 99 shows up everywhere. There's a first, everywhere. first and 10 for the Colts at the end of the first quarter, mm-hmm. and they're at the 34 of Houston. Luck fakes the handoff, and he's being chased by Watt. J.J. has him down at midfield. Watt with the sack. The crowd erupts. Watt sacks him. Yep. For 15 yards. I mean, so that pushes him back to the 49. You're at midfield. When you were looking like you're about to be within field goal range, yeah. to make it closer. I mean, he and he did that a few more times. He was a monster that day. You know, when we watch a game now with J.J., there are times when if you pause the television screen, if you're watching at home or you're watching on film after the game or whatever, there's this moment where you can free frame it and go, There's there are three guys blocking 99. Everybody yeah. else is one-on-one or maybe somebody's breaking free. There are three guys on 99. Teams had not figured out even that late in that year that they needed to give offensive linemen help. Mm -hmm. So there were times in that game 
on those sacks, and there were a couple of times where he got back there and he, he either luck moved or threw it, where he would go one-on-one against a Colts guard. And there was one time he got his hands on one of the Colts guards. I can't remember which one it was. He got hands on the guard, and the guard is just like going backwards, <laughs> just flailing backwards, and then J.J. sheds him and then goes and tackles Andrew Luck. It's one of the games that won't be remembered as much, but when you – hey, why was J.J. Watt great? Watch that game. Mm-hmm. Watch the 2012 game against the Colts at home because he was unbelievable how quick he was off the ball, the power that he showed, how good his technique had gotten in just two short years, the ability to get to the quarterback, the explosiveness – you know, a little swim move he has on run plays. He still has it now, but it was even more pronounced in 2012. Where hey, you bring up run plays. Okay, I, talk, I, I talked about he had four tackles for loss. He had ten tackles total. Yeah. So four TFLs. Yep. But he also had three tackles where the guy got zero yards right. or just one yard. Yeah. So it's almost like he had seven tackles for loss. I mean, he was wrecking shop in the run game, and he then was, he had the three sacks, too. He was. He'd swim, guys. He has that quick swim move. Where action, your zone action is going away, and he'll swim the guy that's going to, you know, whether it's a tackle, he'll swim him quicking then flat down the line. He has mastered that technique. He does that better than anybody I think I've ever seen in a game of football. And in that game against the Colts, he did it a few times for some of those tackles. They could not handle him. You don't win that game, you don't win the division that year. Right. You, because you the Colts were one, coming. The Vikings came in and whooped you good mm-hmm. the next week, and right. then you went up to the Colts and you lost in Indianapolis at the end of the season. Yep. That was a vital, vital win. That Had stopped the bleeding. And really, it was kind of one of the last bright spots until about 2014. Right, that's a good point. Because you win that game, and you win the Bengals playoff game later, about a month later. But I think because a, you had beaten the Bengals the year before. I and think. it was a sloppy win. There was a pick six by Schaub, which yeah. was getting to be a problem. Right. But other than that, you've got the two wins to start 13, which were shaky. Right. One right. darn near went to overtime. The other one did go to overtime. Right. And then you lose... 14 in a row, John. But that game for Watt, listen, the pick six against the Bengals in the playoff game was seemingly like, hey, congratulations, you've unlocked the Watt. <laughs> yeah. And it just kept rising. But that game against the Colts, there was something about that game where he went to an even different level. It was like he understood. And, I mean, the team understood, look, we got to get back on track here. And they understood that day. And he was like, i got to just take this game over. And he he, he did. And, and the Colts were able to put some points up on the board. I mean, I think they're going to whenever they've got Luck and Hilton. But Watt was instrumental in keeping points off the board numerous times, as you talked about. But it was just the overall menace that he was. Nobody for Indianapolis could block him. No, like, nobody. Couldn't. And there were times when they even tried to double him, and he beat that too. Uh-huh. So it was probably one of the top five most dominant physical games he's ever had, yeah. I think. And maybe in the top three. But I know it's definitely within the top five for sure. Not no, just in my mind thinking, oh, which ones it could be. But from a physically dominant wreck, the game, play one to last play of the game, that's one that will definitely that, that will remain for a long time. And we'll end it with a personal anecdote. Your office is next door to mine. Yes. We're in each other's offices quite often. Up on my wall, there's a picture of Bob McNair talking to the team. Yeah. They've all got their AFC South champ hats on. Yep. And he's about to pass out the game ball. I'm standing there holding a mic, getting his sounds, because we were using it for uh, one of those post-game speeches. So yep. It's kind of a fun moment. It's fun to look back at who's still on that team that's yeah. in that photo. Because basically, it's just Jonathan Joseph, 
and JJ our team what? and our team chaplain. Well, JJ's oh, not in that photo. In photo. He was yeah. in the room, but yeah, there's yeah. a photo of a bunch of people yeah, yeah. like Justin Forsett. He's gone. James Casey gone. Garrett Graham. That's gone. a great. Jeff it's a Mayle, great gone. photo. Yeah, it's fun. It's a really good photo, and I, I'm glad you were in there. And I, it's funny because I see that photo all the time, and I, it wasn't. I didn't put two and two together. Like, wait a second. Oh yeah, that was for this particular game. I forgot about that. So the story in that game was JJ Watt. Yes, Just it was. unbelievable. I love a little sound effect there. And that's supposed to sound like, you know, things coagulating, coming together, clashing, whatever you do in the lab. You remember chemistry? I remember chemistry. I remember uh, things being set on fire in chemistry in my uh, Brown University, my first year. Uh, my my lab partner, who's from Humble, Scott Hensel, one of my best friends in the world, <laughs> setting things on fire. Kind of sounded just like that, except... The words following bloop, 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 were, oh, bleep, it's on fire. Yeah, our lab, our lab TA kept an eye on both of us the rest of the year. So, anyways, that's kind of where that, that little uh, that little blur bloop, 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 comes from. So, there you go. Not not from Brown University, but just kind of gives you the idea of being in the lab or do not get a chance to geek out. Now, we get back. We're going to stick with that 2012 theme because in 2012 – it was a massive Sunday night game in the rain on a Sunday night that was just, well, it was beautiful in its ugliness. And one player in particular made a statement that night, his second year with the Texans against his former team. We'll do that next on Texans Top 100 Tuesday right here in Texans All Access. Welcome back to Texans All Access on this Tuesday evening, and we're staying with our theme this week, and tonight's theme is Texans Top 100 moments, and we discussed J.J. Watt against the Colts in 2012, and we're going to stay with that 2012 season because we get to this moment on a Sunday night against the Chicago Bears. Now, the Bears are a huge piece in this for, well, one particular reason, and that was a guy who was phenomenal that night, and this comes in at number 89, but Daniel Manning set the tone early in this game, and it was ugly. Weather was ugly. Offense didn't do a whole heck of a lot. Bears' defense was phenomenal. You had Brian Urlacher on that defense, Peanut Tillman. Tim Jennings, I think, had double-digit interceptions. He had two of them in this game. But it was Daniel Manning who had been with the Bears up until the lockout year of 2011, then obviously joined the Texans. He's from Texas. He had gone to Abilene Christian and came home, if you will. But in 2012 against the Chicago Bears. He was facing his former team in their building, both teams 7-1 and one on Sunday Night Football. And Drew and I did our bonus in the lab to celebrate moment number 89 in our Texans Top 100. Bonus, bonus, bonus time here on In the Lab. Drew Doherty, one of the good pal, John Harris. Johnny, you doing all right? Doing well, man. How are you, Drew? I'm great. Top 100 rolls on. This is a bonus in the lab, and we go to Danielle Manning's night against the Bears in 2012. John, this was a fun one, and I'm going to set the stage in just a sec. But top five, one of my most fun games that I've ever covered here with the Texans. Top five. Really? Yes. Interesting. Why do you say that? Seven and one. I'm not doubting you. I'm just why seven and one Houston Texans. Seven and one at the time Chicago Bears. Yeah, Brian Urlacher, Peanut Tillman. 
they were on a roll. That defense was really, really good. Really they were good. getting takeaways after takeaways yep. after takeaways. Sunday night football at Soldier Field. Chicago is a fun place to visit. Mm-hmm. So that meant you got to go out Saturday night, have a good time. And the Texans were they were rolling that year, man. They were really, yeah. really good. They would eventually go to eleven and one. They'd finish twelve and four and go to the second round of the playoffs. But I was really pumped for this game. And there are lots of little oddities and things that I remember from it. But let's just recap. Arian Foster ran twenty nine times for hundred and two yards. Yep. He caught a touchdown pass. It was the Which only, was unbelievable. Only touchdown in the game. Unbelievable catch. They ran thirty five times for hundred twenty seven yards as a team. Matt Schaub only had 95 yards passing. He had a pick. She actually had two picks yeah. and one touchdown pass. Yeah. Tim Jennings. Tim Jennings, yeah. That was uh, a huge year for that guy. He had like eight interceptions. That was his eighth interception. I think the second one that he got in that game. Yeah. Eight that year. November 11th of 2012. It wasn't very cold. It was temps in the 50s, and it was kind of rainy. It was not a cold night. Sloppy, sloppy conditions because of the, the rain and the grass. But Dan, this is about Danielle Manning. Yeah. D-man. You, you got to remember. A year earlier, 2011, he came from the Bears. He signed on the same day as Jonathan Joseph, and he really helped stabilize the back end of that defense in 11, in 12, in 13, came back in 14. But this was a big game for him. The night before, Gary Kubiak always had the players, a couple players get up and talk before Mm -hmm. the team. And he had Danielle Manning get up and talk before the team, and this meant something to Danielle Manning. Of course. I mean, he had played in a Super Bowl with yep. those Bears. He'd returned lots of kicks for those Bears. He was a good safety for those Bears. And he was coming back home. So what does he do? Well, he picks off a pass. He forces a fumble. And he causes a mini firestorm because at one point he high-fived Brian Urlacher. And that was something. those are two like guys who'd been yeah. through Slugfest together. Yeah. Bears fans, some of them, were kind of ticked off of that uh, with Urlacher doing that. Yeah. But he had a huge game, and it showed. And he was one of the key reasons the Texans were able to come out victorious and go to 8-1 and one in that one. That, the forced fumble, was one of the better hits that I've seen. It yep. was a clean hit, and it was the first play of the game. Yep. Ran a little look at the tight end stop route. Could have been a sail route. Caught the ball, and as he caught the ball, Manning drilled him. I've said this, I said this last week. I've been going back on on some of the years and going back, especially games in eleven and twelve, because I was doing overnight radio at that time. So I remember things happening, but trying to remember some of the things. Like I can I can think back to some of the games that I've been since twenty fourteen. I can remember some of the things that happened, like little things in those games. Sure. Thinking back to twenty twelve, I remember Arian's catch, and the catch is unbelievable. So I went back and I watched the game. And it's the very first play. Yeah, catches the ball and Manning just. Just rocked him. Rocked him. He I knew mean, it was coming, man. He I knew it was coming. I saw that hit, and I was like, whoa. I was in my office, and I was just like, whoa. <laughs> A couple of people heard me outside, and I was like, man. But in that game, I thought what was interesting about this, Drew, and, I, and I've said this for a long time. I feel like if you can have, and I, and I know the game's a little different now, but still, if you could set the tone with a physical hit early in the game, it really sets the tone. And I felt like watching that game throughout after that hit, the Texans were clearly the more physical team. There was, a, I mean, I think J. Joe ended up getting a 15-yard penalty for this, 
but he destroyed one of the receivers. Manning had another big hit later on, and then you had the Tim Dobbins hit that ended up knocking not Cutler from the game, not Cutler out of the game. Yeah. So D-Man's hit kind of set the tone for that entire game, and I guarantee you, because the night before he had said what that meant to him, then he has that hit on the first play. That's one of the things where, as a teammate or as a, as a Texan, you just go, "Huh." Okay, he's backing up what he talked about. This does mean something. We've got to up our play to match his. Yeah, he popped Davis with that big hit on the first play, and then he picked off a pass intended for Davis Mm -hmm. later in the game. Yeah, all in the first quarter. Yeah, I mean, it was wild. A couple little, little anomalies from that game, active and inactive. Some guys who were not on the field that night for the Texans, Ben Tate, Brandon Brooks, Owen Daniels, Sean Cody, they were fighting through little injuries, so those guys didn't play. Alshon Jeffrey did not play for the Bears. Neither did Amobi Okoye, former Houston Texan. Neither did Shedda Ozuwu, former Houston Texan, former Mr. Irrelevant. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it was a wild game. Texans never trailed. They went up 3-0. Bears would tie it in the second quarter. Then they went back up 10-3 in the second quarter. The Texans did. Bears got to within 10-6, but then Shane Graham kicked a field goal, 42 yards. In the fourth, with 449 remaining, 13-6 was the final it was a fun one, John. It was a really fun game. It really was. And if you didn't bring up Daniel Manning, he should have been the top guy. And if I remember correctly, Sunday Night Football gave it to the offensive line at Terry and Foster. Like, they gave game balls after mm-hmm. afterwards. And they should. They ran the ball and pounded with those conditions. And I'll tell you this, and I walked into your office as I was watching that game. What I tell you, I was like, man, I don't know that we give enough credit to Arian Foster. That guy was, was great. He was, he was absolutely incredible. But as I watched the remainder of that game, Tim Dobbins was a guy that was – sort of thought of, I don't know, people remember him for the, the roof-building incident or whatever it was, and he yeah. missed OTAs because he's building a roof or something, and people remember for that. That game, he was outstanding. If it wasn't Danielle Manning, it was Tim Dobbins, and not just because of the Jay Cutler hit, and he destroyed Cutler, and it was, I don't, did he get, I think he, he get a 15-yard penalty for that? Yeah, I can't remember. He got, yeah, he got. I think he did, but Cutler ended up not coming back in the game in the second half, and they put in Jason Campbell, and that was just not going to happen yep. against that defense. It just wasn't going to happen. They generated turnovers, but it all started in that first play of the game. The tone was set by Daniel Manning. I remember when Daniel Manning was drafted by the Chicago Bears, and I know this because the guy who drafted him is now the GM with the Indianapolis Colts. And I just remember thinking, man, Abilene Christian. And I, rem- I remember the Bears had gone to the Abilene Christian well, a couple of years, I think it was a couple of years prior, a guy by the name of Johnny Knox. He's a wide receiver, and he blew up the combine. He ran, I think, in the 4-3 range. Just He had Will Fuller-like speed and just blew it up. That forced a few scouts, Chris Ballard included, to go back and look at Johnny Knox, and he kept going back to Abilene Christian. And he finally got Daniel Manning that was a key figure with the Bears. But... They also weren't totally sure how to prioritize him going into the lockout of 2011. You remember that crazy lockout of 2011? I mean, it was it was nuts. And the Bears couldn't really figure out how to prioritize. Does he need to be a guy with, oh, our defense is probably good without him. Well, the Texans' defense was better with Manning than Chicago's, I guess, was without Manning. And Manning and J.J. came in in 2011. They had that great year in 2011 and it's 2012. And Drew told the story there about how Daniel Manning spoke to the team and how much that meant. And I, sometimes you, you forget about that because there's so much movement in the league. And Then you think about, man, how much is this one going to mean for guys? And Sunday night, I mean, the records were, what, 7-1, 7-1. It was a huge game for both. The other guy, and I mentioned this, was Tim Dobbins. Tim Dobbins was incredible. But it was Daniel Manning setting the tone. And I'm a big, big believer in the fact that 
you set the tone early. If you make a physical statement early, that resonates. It resonates in your building. It resonates on your sideline. It resonates throughout the stadium. I mean, it's just – and it was such a big hit, and it was legal. I mean, it was a legal hit. Yes, it was seven years ago. And that's one of the things that I've, I've noted going back and watching some of these games just to kind of get a feel for what those games were like, who was on the field, all that kind of stuff. The things that you could get away with just seven years ago, <laughs> it's kind of crazy. So uh, things have changed a little bit. But that hit by Daniel Manning, big-time legal hit. And it set the tone that night for a big win in moment number 89 on the Texans' top 100 moments. All right, we got two on the flip side. Two guys that, as pass rushers, have been as good as they get. And in one game, they actually combined for seven sacks. And in the other, well, let's just say that turned down for what became a sensation at NRG Stadium. We'll do that next on Texas' top 100 moments on this Tuesday edition of Texas All Access. One final segment of this Texans Top 100 Moment Tuesday. Man, I wish moment I could change that word to make it all alliteration. Texans Top 100 theme. No, I don't know. It's our theme day, and that's what I've been doing this week. We've got Life in the NFL yesterday. We've got Texans Top 100 Moments today. Podcast celebration tomorrow. We've got the Great Americans on Thursday. You have to stick around for that. And then we got the Leadership Council on Friday. Hint, hint. You might hear from some of the Texans coaches just saying so that's what we've got going for you this first week in july as we get ready for training camp i'm your host john harris football analyst and silent reporter and it's time to get into one of my favorite moments on the top 100 uh in large part because of the story that i tell you this came in at number 94 in 2014 when jj watt went to an incredible just different level here it is top 100 moment number 89 jj watt against the bills in 2014 Ooh, bonus in the lab time, friendos. And for those of you just now joining us for the very first time, every single Tuesday, John and I do in the lab, we kind of go in depth into a certain subject or peculiar part of what's going on with the Texans, both in the past or the present, maybe in the future too. But today, we're focusing on a top 100 Texans moment, J.J. Watt, the one-man wrecking crew versus the Buffalo Bills back in 2014. So let me set the stage for you, John. Just to refresh yeah. memories. Yeah. It was week four. The Texans were two and one, coming off a pretty ugly loss up in New York to the Giants. You got the Bills in town. Yep. Ryan Fitzpatrick was your quarterback, and before the game, he made an impassioned, very fiery pregame speech where he said basically, This one means something to me after saying he was not a man of many words. So they come to town on that September twenty eighth. And they jumped out to a 10-7 lead, did the Bills. That was the score at the half. Yeah. Well, with 13 and a half minutes to go, they're driving again. E.J. Manuel's the quarterback. They're at the Texans' 20. And they're poised to at least go up 13-7, maybe go up 17-7, go up double digits on the Texans in the third quarter. And then this happened. Manuel puts the leg down. Gets the snap, quick throw, and picked off Watt to his left 30, 35, 40, the 50. Watt's going to go all the way. The 30, the 20, the 10, 5, rock and roll. J.J. Watt, pick 6. What else can he do? 82 yards, J.J. Watt. Now, that was the year of J.J. Watt, 2014. Two weeks earlier, he'd caught his first touchdown pass ever at Oakland. Yes. He would catch two more touchdown passes that season. He'd also 
have a fumble return for a touchdown against the Colts on a Thursday nighter yep. here, and he was the defensive player of the year. I mean, he was just he was a, a comet. But this one was different because it was the first time the Texans here at NRG Stadium played that turn down for what yeah. song by Lil John. Yep. Normally there's you know, they've sold so many things that the Texans marketing <laughs> corporate development team does a yeah. phenomenal job. They sell so many assets that you go to break, oh, well, you got to get this, this, and this in, right. basically commercial-wise, and we've got to get... They just decided, we're not doing that, this instance, because what J.J. Watt just did, and what we can keep sustaining and fueling with the fans is pretty remarkable. So, they played for the entirety of that break, right after that touchdown, Yeah, Lil John, and they would show people in the crowd going bananas, and then they cut back to J.J. on the bench, and he'd, he'd look, somebody in the crowd would roar. It was just, it was ping-ponging back and forth, and that was the start of what was just a really fun season to see in 2014. He was unbelievable in 2014. And, and a lot of times when you say that, sometimes it's hyperbole or uh-huh. you, you're maybe using the word unbelievable in the wrong way. But he was the number one player in the league as voted on by the players. I mean, he was just he was just incredible. And in that game, it's, it's funny because after the game, I remember seeing something on Twitter from, from a Bills fan saying, well, you know, they did a really good job on J.J. Well, minus the interception – he didn't have a sack that day. Yeah, but he had nine quarterback hits, Joe. Right, I know. And nine it was funny. quarterback it hits. It was funny because whoever this Buffalo fan was like, J.J. Watt didn't have a sack against us. And it was like, bro, did you see the nine times that E.J. Manuel got stroked when, when J.J. was getting back there? It was one of the, it was one of the better games that, that he played. I'll tell you this funny story about that game. My, it involves my wife. My wife, we have been here since 2007. Mm-hmm. And... I covered the team since 2007 with the radio station I was with. And 2014 was my first year down on the sidelines. My first year with, with you and the team here with the Texans. My wife had never shown any interest in going to a Texans game. So we get to week four. We've gone through the preseason. And we traveled to Oakland. We traveled to New York. And she says, well, when do I get tickets to go to a game? And I looked at her and I said, what? Like, what do you mean? Like, you've never wanted to go? She go- I said, do you want to go? She goes, yeah, yeah, I want to go. And I was like, okay, well, now I'm in the building. Let me see if I can pull some strings and so I asked Mark I said I said Mark Paige wants to go to the game she wants to bring a couple friends like she's never been to a game at NRG but can you get her he's like oh yeah 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 they get great tickets he gets he gets some great tickets three of them go to the game Texans win they go to three and one JJ has that interception it's an unbelievable day for Watt I mean it's incredible I mean the the place just went electric when he mm-hmm. made the interception it was incredible so we get home and my wife is really excited like she's telling me about all the different things about it and I'm like this is really cool I mean I'm really excited about that and I was like that was pretty cool and JJ had the interception and then it got quiet I was like that was cool when you got the interception right she goes we didn't see it <laughs> I was like wait a second what do you mean you didn't see it now this is, I think, one of the one of the things. When you go to an NFL game for the first time, you have to keep this in mind. And and she didn't because it's right after the half. It's right after the half. When I coached in high school, we had twenty five minutes. I think here in Texas you make it thirty. Colleges you get twenty. And so my wife had been to high school games and college games with me or had gone to mine. So they were longer half times. So they were in line getting something to eat when the crowd just started erupting. Yeah. And they looked up and they saw it. She saw it on TV, but she didn't see it happen live. I was like, the first game she gets to see that game, and Watt has that play. <laughs> was bananas, man. She doesn't even see it because she's getting something. And it's such a short halftime. That's what I think people forget sometimes. 
And Mark talks about this a lot. He's like, when you're on the road, get the ball to start the second half because a lot of the fans are getting something to drink or getting – and I'm like, well, let me tell you the story about Buffalo Bills 2014 (laughs) and Paige Harris because that's – that can happen. Watt was – I mean, the nine quarterback hurries to me. Yeah, the interception stood out, but it's the nine quarterback hurries. He was, he was in. He was in EJ Manuel's lap the entire. I mean, Manuel game. was just throwing, like getting the rid of the ball because JJ was was on top of. But him. on that play, he was not. No, you know, he was he flared out, and it's a. I'm I'm stunned that he's not done this again because he's Got come so close. so close. Oh, so close! At least twice a season every year since, excluding the the two injured years. But he almost did it against the Colts this year. Yeah, I mean, he was very, very close to doing it against the Colts. In fact, Luck pulled it down. He saw JJ. He pulled it down, and then as a defensive man, when you're rushing the quarterback, you'd think they'd throw it behind you. But when he jumped, he was so far on the passing lane, and when he jumped, Luck pulled it down, stepped towards the line of scrimmage, and threw in front of JJ yeah. out to his wide receiver. I was, ama- I was amazed. I mean, he would have, he would have picked it off. The one that I remember was Tennessee at Tennessee in Week Two. Yes, that would have changed the game. Mm-hmm. He jumped right out in front, and Gabbert went to throw and pulled it down. And if he throws it, J.J. Pitt, he walks in the end zone. I mean, it's, it's a game changer. If you think about it, it's a season changer because they make that play. Who's to say they get on the same run? Now, just that game changes. You're now 11 and – I'm sorry, you're 12-4. and four. You're the number two seed. You get a bye. All, all that kind of stuff changes. Yeah. But I, the more I thought I, it was the week two against Tennessee. The more I think about it, the more impressive and more impressed I am by what Gabbert did on that play, and then later in the game when Scarlett batted the ball back to him, he was smart enough to just throw it out of bounds because right, right, right. it would have it was a better situation for him. Yep. So anyway, that, I, I, man, I forgot. We're not about talking about play. Blaine Gabbard here. Anyways. No, but we're talking about the Buffalo Bills in 2014 and what JJ Watt did that day. It was a fun, fun day, and it was it was cool. I was up on the deck. I think I was getting ready to have to. I was going to have to do some scores or something, but because that went down, they were like hold, and I just watched, soaked it all in as turned down for Watt was played, played, and played, and played again. I remember that year distinctly. It was my first year down on the sidelines, and I just remember NRG rocking. They would start that during a television break, and the stadium would nearly fall down. It was unbelievable how not only the crowd fed off of it, JJ fed off. It was it was unbelievable. I mean, later in that year against the Colts, and this won't make the top 100 moments. He was in such a groove that 2014 season that when we were trailing the Colts 33-21 on a Thursday night, I remember Mark Vandermeer essentially saying JJ make a play, and then he picked up the fumble, ran in to make it 33-28. And I thought that that's the one moment I remember distinctly at NRG Stadium. I thought the place was going to fall down. I thought it was going to fall down. I mean, it was, it was electric. Mark's call in my ear. I, it was, man, that was crazy. But against the Bills, that was great because it was a win. Also, in a win was a key game in 2015, and it's a game a lot of people forget about. But when people come up to me and say, "Oh man, I love Whitney Merciless. He's everything you know we want the Texans to be," all that kind of stuff, it really was this game in 2015 where Whitney went to a different level. Here's number 77 on the Texans Top 100 Moments. Whitney Merciless has a day against the Tennessee Titans. We're going back in time, man. It's the Texans Top 100 Moments, and today we're focusing on our good pal Whitney Merciless. 
Whitney's had some games, had some moments in his time as a Texan. None, well, maybe one or two, but very few as good as his game on November 1st, 2015, here in NRG Stadium against the Tennessee Titans with their quarterback, Zach Mettenberger. This was an interesting time. The Texans came into the game 2-5, and five, John. They were reeling at that point. Mm-hmm. Their quarterback for that one was Brian Hoyer. So Mallet had been replaced, and this was a, a, just an odd, odd time of year. Whitney Merciless goes off. Now, it was Zach Mettenberger. Nonetheless, Whitney Merciless had himself a game. Seven tackles, three and a half sacks for 24 yards, four tackles for loss, and a quarterback hit. I mean, he was a monster. And, John, this was, this was not something that took too long for him. He got Andrews on a tackle for loss, two yards, in the first quarter, and then he started going to work. He and J.J. tackled Dexter McCluster after a nine-yard gain. The next play, he sacks Mettenberger. I mean, just having a rough time. He gets. He, I mean, he really sacked him four and a half times because he got called. Uh, he got called uh, for a flag. Yeah, yeah. A flag on that. Not he got his hand on. He got his hand on Mettenberger, and you know th- this was such an interesting one, Drew, because if you remember, this was one week after the Texans had just gotten destroyed in Miami. Uh huh. If you remember that trip to Miami, it's one of the worst trips I can ever remember that we've taken. Mallet missed the plane. He gets released on Monday. Then Arian Foster tears his Achilles in that game. Yep. That was the last time he suited up for the Houston Texans. And then the the Dolphins did whatever they wanted to that day. Lamar Miller had about 8,000 yards on yep. like 10 carries. Every time he touched it, he went to the house, it seemed. And there was I just, a torrential downpour in the middle of the game. Of like five minutes just... And it was done. And then the sun came back out. Yeah, and it was it, hot. It was it was bizarre. By the end of the game, I was in shoes and no socks. I was on my third pair of pants. I had a wow. a pullover with no shirt underneath. It was a disaster. And then I had to interview Coach O'Brien after the game. And with all that had gone on with the mallet situation, and then there was there was talk ahead of time about Coach O'Brien being upset about with mallet wanted him to just get hit the bricks, and he was talked out of it. Whatever the case might be. So I remember that Monday press conference. I remember him going up to the podium. And we're like, oh, boy, here we go. You know, After that one, this is going to get juicy. And I remember at some point he started answering questions. And he got, like one, he got one or two questions in. And he turned it to Amy. And he said, Amy, I'll stay up here as long as I need to. Yeah. And I remember that taking a very long time. He was up there for a good 30, 35 minutes. And he, and he answered pretty much everything. And I just remember turning, I turned to Mark and I was like, there's nobody I'd rather have up there right now than him because he's dealt with so much when he was at Penn State, the things he had to deal with, backs against the wall. I was like, that's the guy I want up there at this time more than anybody else. And so going into that Tennessee game, I was I was curious to see how they were going to respond. And the first play that Whitney makes in that game was a tackle for a loss. And I remember the, the Texans had pinned the Titans down deep into the north end zone. And so they were down inside, I think it was inside the 10. And then they got backed up, I think, a little bit more. They tried to run at Whitney, and they they took tight end solo block on Whitney. And Whitney jacked him up and just drove the tight end back like two yards, saw the running back, shed the tight end, tackled the running back, and I was like, yo, that's something that Whitney had not done in years prior to that. Right. And I just remember watching Mike Vrabel work with him constantly about, you know, getting off of blocks and doing – I mean, I watched – and I watched him get on Whitney and just – and coach him hard, and Whitney taking that coaching, and it was, and it was like, now you're seeing it. And it was from that, making that play forward, he went off. He went off. He had the four and a half sacks. Obviously, one got well, taken away yeah. because of the, the the flag. But Tennessee could not block him. Could not block him. 
he just kept getting back there, and I was like, this is unreal. And on the day, he had three and a half, and J.J. had two and a half. J.J. had ten quarterback hits. He also forced a fumble. I mean, it was a weird, weird game because the Texans punted eight yeah. times. They ran for 56 yards on 23 carries. Hoyer had a decent game, 23 of 35, 235 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. But if you punt eight times, like, yeah. you're not moving the offense all that much. No, not significant. I remember him hitting one touchdown was to Nate Washington. He hit him on a deep route. Yeah, it was a great throw. Route. It was a great throw, and he hit him. But the real story in this one, and, and it would be the story for this team in 2015, because this is when the little bit of the streak started, because you had them in win this game. Essentially, they held the Titans to six points. Then you get the bye week. Then you go to Cincinnati, held Cincinnati to six points. Then faced the Jets, gave up a few points to the Jets, but that was the Hopkins beats Darrell Reeves yep. day. But then the next time they got on the field against the Saints, this was 2015. Drew Brees and Sean Payton have been together since 2006. It was the first time that offense had not scored a touchdown. You could argue the six points. You could argue it's the greatest performance by the Texans' defense in Bill O'Brien's tenure. That stretch: Tennessee, Cincinnati, the Jets, and the Saints. And even that, that Saints stretch. game. I know the Saints were down that year, but it's still Drew Brees. Yeah, it's still a Hall of Fame quarterback. Oh, I, I, well, I, yeah, exactly. It doesn't I mean, matter to me. It's 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 Drew Brees in that offense. Yeah, it's you know continuity. It's seeing the same thing. Oh, I would love to see his defense do the same thing in Week One this year. But then later in that year, you had the game at Indianapolis. You shut them down. First win in I mean, Indy. The, the def- I mean, J.J. was – that was his third Defensive Player of the Year award. Yeah. That's when, but, that's when his health started to come undone there at the right, end of that year. He right. Had the broken hand, and then, but really the bigger issue was basically his, his midsection. Yeah, his entire All midsection. It, yeah. But the defense was able to keep it together because they got the contributions from Whitney Merciless. Yeah. And really, that year, and in this game – if you remember early in this game on one of Tennessee's early drives, J.D. had gone down. He was on the right side, I believe, and there was a play going opposite him, and he started trailing, and he got cut down from behind. He got cut blocked from behind. And when he landed, he landed on his hip or his, his oblique or whatever. Yeah. So he had to come out of that game. Whitney went in and then just tore it up, and then from that point forward, Whitney was just incredible. I really want the last thing to you that you hear today to be that in the lab, uh, sound effect. It'll be stuck in your head all day. Probably will be mine too. So it'll be for all of us. But a big thanks to Drew, who is my in the lab partner. Do these bonus in the labs. They've been really, really fun to do. Our theme week continues tomorrow with a podcast celebration. We have three different podcasts and hopefully maybe a fourth coming this fall that may have something to do with Texans, may not. May have something to do with me. It may not. We'll see. But we have three of them right now. Vandermeer's View, Deep Slant, and also In the Lab. And we're going to celebrate those podcasts and use it as kind of an opportunity to promote them as well. We will do that tomorrow as our theme week continues here this first week in July. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to those Texans for creating those top moments. And you want to check out more at HoustonTexans.com. We're counting them one down each and every day till the beginning of the regular season against the New Orleans Saints. So, Go check it out. They're great stuff. Written, whether it's audio, whether it's visual, whether it's Telestrator, it could be any and all of those things. So go make sure you're checking those out at HoustonTexans.com and all of our social channels. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you tomorrow for a podcast celebration. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Texans.